when you know things might have appeared to others to be neglect or something like that maybe they weren't given enough resources or maybe they weren't given enough training or you know maybe they had so many demands placed on them that the job they had was almost impossible um and that is definitely a form of nurse cannibals being starved but not even necessarily by like other people but by the system Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience, a first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy, and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and indulgence, to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode, I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Today, I am joined by two nursing leaders who are on a mission to change the current culture in nursing. These leaders are Emma Verse-Lewis. Emma's area of expertise are emergency nursing, clinical redesign, data analysis, and risk identification. Emma has over a decade of clinical experience in one of Australia's busiest and most challenging emergency departments. She has three years of project management and clinical redesign experience and is currently an assistant director of nursing, working for Clinical Excellence Queensland in practice innovation. Emma also works as a course convener at Griffith University for Master of Nursing students. Emma has a Master of Nursing, Master of Health Administration, and is currently studying a graduate certificate in clinical redesign. Tracy Churchill, Tracy's areas of expertise are emergency nursing and management. Tracy's mission is to create workplaces where people thrive. She has 15 years in supervisory and management roles, 17 years in emergency nursing, and a master's in health service management. Tracy is the nurse unit manager of one of Australia's busiest EDs, overseeing a team of almost 300 staff. Welcome, ladies. It's so amazing to have you both on the podcast today. Thank you, Elena. We're really um, thrilled to be here, and it's a privilege to um, have you invite us on. Yes, thank you. It's my pleasure. Tracy, a team of 300. I do the roster for a team of about 40. I can't even imagine what it would be like rostering 300 staff. (laughs) Well, to be honest, I'm very blessed in that we have two associate nurse managers who oversee the rostering and they are amazing. They're so good at doing the roster. They, They kind of look at it almost like a game that they hugely enjoy where the game is how best to make people's lives 
fit with work. And we get really positive feedback from the team that they go out of their way to make sure people can have a life and have work in it as well. Yeah, that's how I look at it too. It's like this big jigsaw puzzle I do once a fortnight to try and make everyone fit into what (laughs) best fits their lifestyle as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So as you know, Happy Nurse is all about promoting self-care to nurses and other healthcare workers too. I always encourage people to have a non-negotiable in their self-care. What would be your non-negotiable? I'll ask you first, Emma. Um, This is a new one to me, actually. Um, It's Pilates. Uh, We're working from home at the moment um, because of the coronavirus, um, which is a privilege. uh, And I'm very grateful that my current work um, is supportive of that um, because it means that I don't have a two-hour commute. Uh, every day and that has freed up some great time for me to uh, to fit in self-care um, so I have been really diligent in taking a lunch break every day which is very new to me usually I just power through and I go down um, and do Pilates every day so I'm getting a lot stronger um, but I find that it's really helpful um, mentally as well as physically. That's awesome yeah and that's great that you're actually factoring in those breaks because it's so easy when you're working from home to just keep going and keep going and then before you know it it's like 4 p.m and you think oh I haven't eaten anything exactly and I'm typically renowned for doing that at work as well just power on through don't you know don't eat don't you know get up too much um, and it's not good for you so I'm, I'm I feel it's a real privilege at the moment awesome thank you for sharing that uh, I guess my non-negotiable is carving out some alone time every week I'm currently on maternity leave, but when working, being full-time, you know, having a permanent relationship with my husband as well as having children, a while ago I found that I had almost zero time to myself and that I wasn't prioritising that. And even just having half an hour to sit down, be alone with my thoughts and just be made such a difference to me. So now alone time just at least once a week is something that I cherish and I feel it has added a whole nother layer to my life. And it gives you time to be creative and think of new things. Having that time of just maybe doing nothing or maybe doing some exercise or something like that, but just not having to be anywhere and not having to be around for other people, it makes such a huge difference. So that's my non-negotiable. Yeah, that's awesome. And I hear you with that. I, I'm also a mum and I work and I run Happy Nurse too. So yeah, that downtime, that time on my own is... Yeah, it's very important to me as well because you need that breathing space. And especially we're in such a service-giving role as well. We're always interacting with other people. So it's very important that we do take that time just to allow ourselves to ground ourselves almost and come back into to who we are and what we want. Absolutely. I created a model of self-care to make it easier for nurses to like build themselves a comprehensive self-care package and in this um, model I broke it down into five aspects so these are the mental emotional physical spiritual and indulgent self-care needs that we have self-care often gets associated with just that indulgent aspect what would be your idea of indulgent self-care for me i think it's actually what tracy's um non-negotiable is and that's self-time um having listened to her, I do struggle to to make myself that priority in my life because as nurses and mothers um, and I have, you know, two jobs and I'm studying, it's really hard to think, you know, I'm going to give myself an hour here and there 
to do something for myself because it feels so selfish. Um, and I think that we're actually brought up to 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 be givers, and um, especially as women in a caregiving role and as mothers, I uh, you know I assume you probably can all relate that it's actually hard to prioritise that selfish sort of self care. Um, so for me having heard Tracy, I'm going to say self-time um, and things that I feel are not mandatory in the life, you know, like um, going for a walk or getting your hair done or, you know, something that's indulgent uh, in, in my view. You're beautiful. What about you, Tracy? Well, um, I've been inspired by a book I recently read called Fair Play, which helps parents and couples play this game about the equitable distribution of household tasks. So that may sound like a weird introduction to this question, but in it there's this concept of unicorn time, and I think that's something Emma was also just talking about then. So in this game, you you put all the cards on the table of what needs to be done in the house, but then there are additional cards. One is adult relationships and adult friendships. One is self-care, which is could be exercise or making time to make healthy meals, but there's one called unicorn time. And unicorn time is this idea that I had never heard of before then. And what it's talking about is specific time where you work on creating something that is helping you improve the world. It's something that you're contributing to the world, but it's something that only you can give. So for some people, it might be learning the guitar and then putting on a concert at a later time for three people with five songs. But what it is is something that you're working on that must have an outcome and it's something that is important to you and makes you feel creative or like you're contributing somehow. So indulgent self-care to me now includes this idea of unicorn time. I love that idea, unicorn time. That's so cool. We'll include the the title of that book in the show notes for this if anyone's wondering about it check the show notes after you've listened to the episode. That's so cool. And yeah, it's so good to connect to that creative side of ourselves and let our creativity and our inspiration flow out. Because when we start stifling that, that's when we start to get stressed and depressed. So yeah, I love that. That's an awesome answer. I've not had an answer like that before. Thanks, Tracy. I love that too. I'm going to look at the book. Yeah, definitely. If you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try, why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief. It's 12 minutes of pure self-care. I always say as nurses, we should be trying to turn up as the best versions of ourselves every day because if we're turning up as the best versions of ourselves. We're providing the best care we can to our patients and being the best colleagues we can to our colleagues. Who or what inspires you to be the best version of yourself, Emma? I am going to have to say Tracy. Um, So I'm really thrilled that uh, you're having us on together. Um, But I don't, I can't even put a finger on when we decided to really have each other's back, but I would have to say it would be more than a decade ago. Um, we've really worked together um, our whole um, nursing careers. Uh, Even when we haven't actually worked together, we've found ways to collaborate, um, to involve each other. And she's so different to me. She has really different strengths, uh, very different leader. She's very visionary. And she makes me want to be the best person that I can be with my strengths. Um, We recognise that we are quite different. 
uh, and we appreciate that in each other. Um, and so I'm always striving to be the best person of myself when I'm around Tracy. That's beautiful. What a special friendship and relationship you've both got. I think nursing lends itself to some of these special friendships, doesn't mm. it? I've got a very good friend back in Scotland that I worked with and we're still very good friends. And I flew home just a couple of years ago to be her bridesmaid. So, yeah, well, that's wonderful. And Tracy, who inspires you to be the best version of yourself? Well, I firstly would say Emma as well. Um, we've always just carved out time for each other, supported each other. And in, as Emma said, even when we're working in different roles, we managed to find ways to collaborate. So, for example, when Emma started doing the values video for our hospital health service, um, I was in that video. So she allowed me to be seen and I was trying to encourage her work as well. So it's definitely a two-way street. And the other thing, the other answer that I would have for this is actually inspired by Emma because she seems to so effortlessly have all of the parts of her life so full and be so productive all the time. I'm in awe of her for that. So the second part is that my children also inspire me to try and be the best I can be because I see Emma being a really great role model to her children and her family and I want to do the same for mine in the way that I want to make sure I achieve all the things I'd like to achieve so that then I don't try to force my children to live out dreams that I wish I had accomplished. Yeah, that's beautiful. We can find great inspiration from our children, can't we? And showing them that it's okay to, to chase your dreams and to believe in something and to be passionate and, and make a change in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. So I invited Tracy and Emma on here today. One, because I've been following them for months and months on LinkedIn and just love what they share with the world. But they've also recently released article series on LinkedIn called Cannibalism in Nursing. And when I read the first part of this, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get these ladies on to discuss this because this is an issue that's close to my heart as well. Last year, I went around Australia and delivered my self-care workshop. And this is a topic that came up in every single city. And I remember coming back to Perth and discussing it with my colleagues here. And I think every single nurse has been affected by this issue at some point in their career, usually early on. So, yeah, ladies, thank you so much for bringing this conversation out into the open. You're so inspiring. And I'd love for you to share a bit more about where it came from. Maybe um, I loved your idea of way back when it started with your blue ribbon on your lanyards and your pledge you put up in the coffee room. So maybe one of you would like to talk about that. Yeah, um, that was just a really simple idea. Uh, Tracy and I were both actually really early career nurses. I think we were maybe maybe my first year and Tracy's second year, it was very early on in our careers. And we were just looking to, we didn't have a great culture in our department at the time. Um, we were known for not having a great culture uh, at the time. There was, there was some shame around that. And we were just two nurses that were like-minded that thought, is there anything that we can do from the ground up that can actually demonstrate to our team that we stand united? Um, we did have a lot of verbal uh, abuse in our department um, from patients uh, and we wanted to let people know that should they find themselves in a, a situation where they feel vulnerable, um, we would stand near them, we would stand next to them, we would support them and we would um, 
we would have integrity in the way that we held ourselves as well. So we would shut down, um, you know, nurse to nurse violence. If we heard it, we would disengage from, you know, those conversations. It was a simple idea. We really just got some craft ribbon, um, put it on our lanyards, and that started conversations. So people would ask us about what, hey, what's, what's that on your lanyard? What does that stand for? Um, and we would then have conversations. Well, we, you know, we, we stand with integrity. We want to um, have positivity in the workplace. Um, and we sort of made a pledge to that. And then people wanted to get on board. It was really, um, it was really self-fulfilling. That's beautiful. And it's when you start opening that conversation, people have that me too moment. You know, you then start to build this movement. I've just read... Um, Dare to Leave by Brene Brown. I know you guys are both fans of her too from reading your stuff on LinkedIn. And she speaks about the power of empathy and that me too. And it's almost like I can kind of see where that has come from with your blue lanyards, you know. It's um, it's very powerful. Yeah, we're huge fans of Brene Brown. <laughs> Can't get enough of her. Yeah, I know. She's awesome. I love her too. So... Um, I love how you both speak openly about your early years in nursing. And Emma, you said that you felt like you were um, intimidated, whereas Emma, you felt more like it was more like neglect. And I think as young nurses, it's um, it's quite daunting when you're faced with this. You're, you're just qualified, you're out there, you're suddenly responsible for these patients' lives, and then you've got this toxic culture that you're in. Um what did you do at the time to get through it? Can you remember? I'll go first. Um, so my grad year was in a ward. It was not in the emergency department. And at the time, something that was beneficial to me is that I didn't know any different. So I just felt like everyone was probably having the same experience and that, you know, this was no different to anybody else. Since then, I've heard that some people had really incredible grad years and I feel a little bit jealous about it. But at the same time, this year, in some ways, did toughen me up. Um, so what I did at the time was in the area where I was working, there were, there were quite a few people that would exhibit these damaging sort of behaviours that were talking down to me, always giving me the bad jobs, like I cleaned the pan room every day for a year. <laughs> It was never anybody else's turn. It was always my turn, things like that. Um, but also saying things to me in front of patients or being dismissive or completely ignoring me as I talked about in that article. Um, what I did at the time was just keep going because I loved my job and I knew that I was making a difference straight away. So that managed to get me through. And Victor Frankl says, a man who has a why can bear almost anyhow. And I had a very strong why. I knew exactly why I was there. But there were still things that were beneficial in that year. So even though there were so many nurses doing these behaviours, many of them weren't, but they weren't doing anything to stop them. So they may not have supported those people, but because they were doing nothing, I assumed that they felt it was okay as well. And there was a small proportion of nurses who, there were three nurses who were very kind, supportive, took me into their wing and always would make the time to explain things if I had questions. And even just having such a small group of people being nurturers made a huge difference. So in that year, and even when I was a student before then, the behaviours that I saw from people who I consider to be nurse cannibals taught me that I never want other people to feel that way. So I never, ever want to be that person treating someone so badly because there are people I know who have left nursing who were wonderful nurses, 
not because they didn't enjoy the job, but because the peer support wasn't there, because they were feeling devalued, because they were feeling, you know, broken down by going to work. And those sorts of people are people that we still do need in nursing because they're the empathetic, kind ones and we just so badly need them in all areas of our lives, but especially in nursing. For me, I, I think because we were a cohort of 10, there were, there, were, there were challenges with that because there were not support mechanisms in place at the time. It was the first time um, our department had taken such a large number. Usually it was one, maybe two at a push. We were lucky and unlucky that we were such a big group. Um, I think we were unlucky because, like I said, there wasn't the support mechanisms. There wasn't an education program. We weren't welcome in that large number because we really almost outnumbered um, some of the more experienced nurses there. Um, But the positive of that was we had each other. Really quickly developed a um, a strong relationship uh, amongst our group where we would share information, we would would tell each other our experiences and our challenges. We would share the people um, that we could rely on. So we could say, hey, you know, Tracy was a a year or two um, ahead of me. You can go to Tracy. You can trust her. She will give you the right information. She won't, you know, throw you under the bus and, and set you up to fail. So we did have that network. And we quickly found in the department those people that were a year or two um, ahead of us who had lived that same experience. Um, and, we, and we sort of asked them for support and guidance. So it was, it was a blessing in a way, but it was a difficult time. Um, and there was definitely definite cannibal behaviours. In fact, we had, um, I think, about 50% of the clinical nurses resign um, before we started. I love how you've called the series cannibalism. And I'd love to know a bit more about how you've broken it down. And I've got it written down here, but I'll let you explain it to the listeners because you'll explain it a lot more concisely than I will. I'll let Tracy explain it, but I will just preamble this with, we were hesitant to sort of get out there and call it nurse cannibalism. Um, I think it's a little bit taboo and we were like, oh, is it going to really be in your face too much or just enough? And I think I think because we talk about the fact that we have power to change it, like that we all have a role uh, to play um, and that we have, um, we have a vision for a brighter future, I think that that makes it okay to be really confrontational but we did hesitate we kind of went back and forward um in writing this article and thought oh we really we want to call it what it is but is it too much um and we just decided that it wasn't too much we were going to go for it but I'll let, I'll let Tracy yeah I think it really hits home it, like it resonated instantly with me it, I knew exactly what you were talking about so yeah well, thank you um we're really really glad we've had a lot of feedback around this and Yeah, when we were thinking about nurses eating their young, we were thinking, well, you know, cannibals eat each other. That's really what cannibals do. And I Googled nurse cannibals and um, I found some nurse zombie pictures, but I didn't find anything on nurse cannibals. And I thought, you know what, we'll see what Emma thinks. And Emma was really, really into this idea as well. And it was actually her idea to create this series about how important it is to nurture our young. So we wanted to move from where we sort of have come from which is this whole saying that we've all heard nurses eating their young to nurses nurturing their young but nurses feeding their young is a more succinct way of saying that and in our we're about to publish part four in there we're talking about the three different ways that we feel we can feed our young so the steps from going where we were to where we are now in the future are what we hope for nurses and what we want for all the future nurses coming is how did we get from there to here 
So then we had to break it down a little bit further. So we've got the first part is nurses eating their young and it talks about our past experiences and that that was in the past and how we think that we got to that stage in our nursing culture. The second part was lifting each other out of the cannibals pod and that is where we connected with each other and, you know, that's where we really developed our friendship and our relationship and we could see people getting thrown in there all the time but the best ally you can possibly have is another person also wanting to get out of that pot. So you can give each other a leg up or pull the other one out, whoever's being thrown in, so that you can't stay in there for long. There's someone who will always have your back and, you know, Emma is that person for me. And the third part in the series is protecting others from the cannibal pot because when we managed to get out of the pot and figure out how to get out or how not to get in, then we didn't want other people to be thrown in there either because we're both committed to the future of nurses and that is nurses caring for each other, nurses nurturing each other and developing each other and growing each other. The, the future demands that the health services all over the world are facing are incredible and we can't afford to be losing great people from our profession. So protecting others from the cannibal pot was the third part. And our, our, we were originally making this a four-part series, as Emma said. The fourth part is nurses feeding their young, which focuses on the things that we can do to help them. And in, in some of these, we've got practical strategies for how to do it as well. And as Emma said, we've had a lot of feedback from other people about how nursing, there's a lot of horizontal violence from peer to peer or from, you know, supervisor to junior nurse or from, you know, new nurses to senior nurses. And so we would like to explore that in a little bit more detail. So that's why there's an addition of a fifth part to our series. Emma, what would you like to add to that? No, I think you've really covered it, um, Tracy. We, we just, I, I think all the way through we're, we're mindful to, Talk, that, talk about our own personal experiences. Be a little bit vulnerable in sharing, you know, what we felt. We're not implying that this is the experience for everybody at all. Um, but the feedback that we have received is that this really is a shared experience by a lot of people. Um, we were hoping that this was all in the past um, because it was in our past that we were hoping that it was kind of, you know, this distant sort of, this is how it used to be. But the feedback, again, that we have gotten is that it's not um, historical that it is um, something that still happens, um, which which makes us sad, but it shows us that there is um, there is work to do um, and we do have a, a vision for the future. And in the article series, we have tried to give some really practical um, experience-based tips as well. Things that we have, have like the Blue Ribbon um, um, experience, little snippets of things that we have found worked for us, but are relatable and easy, um, cost-neutral things that can be um, implemented in really any workplace. I would just like to add to that, that um, one of the focuses that we wanted to have for this series was Emma's idea that this should be an empowering series. So what we're trying to do is show people the impact of you, you know, what can you personally do to stop this from happening, to be the future and to help create a better environment for everyone who is a nurse. So I, I really just wanted to mention that was one of Emma's strong focuses and that's how we've created this whole series. Yeah, definitely, because the more of us who actually stand up and say no and help each other out of the pot, the, the better the culture will become in the profession. That means that it's, we will have a sustainable health system as well. You know, the, the future um, prospects, like Tracy said, they're really scary, like the future of, of healthcare, not only with resources, but with staffing um, 
and access for people. So we really, we see this as a systems-wide issue and each nurse that is empowered to stand up or protect or nurture or feed um, other nurses is actually making a contribution to a sustainable health system. Yeah, I often wonder what causes the cannibalism. Do you think burnout has a role to play in it? I absolutely do. One of our comments that um, came, uh, sorry, it was a, it was someone who um, had commented and we were, I was following up and she was saying that nurses eat their young because they're starving. And that really actually resonated with me. And I want to know what they're starving for. Like, it makes me wonder, is it they're starving for nourishment? Is it that they're burnt out, that they've given everything that they can and they've got an empty cup and they have to fill it with something? Um, it's a great question. I do think burnout definitely plays a role and that's why the work that you're doing in um, you know in resilience and you know self-care um, is so important and I think it's a complex issue but I definitely think that nurses might be starving and that this is a way to fill a pot it's not a great way but it's a way yeah I like that metaphor that they're starving it's all yeah I hadn't heard that before Emma just mentioned it now and I think she's bang on um some of the feedback that I've had from people responding to our articles is saying that, you know, when, you know, things might have appeared to others to be neglect or something like that, maybe they weren't given enough resources or maybe they weren't given enough training or, you know, maybe they had so many demands placed on them that the job they had was almost impossible. Um, and that is definitely a form of nurse cannibals being starved, but not even necessarily by like other people, but by the system. And something that um, one of our good friends, James Lind, often says is that, you know, people are ultimately good and it's often the system that lets people down. So it's good people working in a bad system. So that's why the work that Emma does in system redesign is so important because if the, if people are starving, their cup isn't full, you know, it's so much easier for them to lash out, be short on temper because they can't look after themselves and they, they're just trying to get through their day. And whatever makes it easiest will be the path they will take. But people who have looked after themselves, like the work that you're doing, are people that have emotional reserves, can give a bit of extra time and can keep their mouth shut instead of saying something they might regret later. Yeah, because I think when they're in that starving state, to use your metaphor, they're, they're burnt out. They're well, obviously burnt out. They're reactive. They're feeling unsupported. They're overwhelmed. They're kind of, they don't know where to go or what to do. So... Yeah, I can see how it would definitely play a part in the cannibalism issue. It's a very kind of complex issue, you know, but I think what you guys are doing is amazing and then calling it out for what it is and encouraging the behaviour to kind of not be tolerated anymore, for want of a better way of putting it. That's exactly right. And thank you for, um, for actually recognising that it's so important. Um, we really have tried to demonstrate that it you can stop permitting things to happen. If you see these behaviours or you've experienced them or you know that they're going on, you can just really easily say, hey, that's not okay. You know, this is this is not okay behaviour. Um, and that's what we have tried to do is just give little empowering tidbits to say we can actually change culture. Um, you know, cultures change bit by bit, you know, action by action. Yeah, definitely. And the more awareness that's brought around the subject as well, the greater the impact it's going to be. So, yeah. Thank you, ladies. It's been wonderful speaking to you both. I love the work you're doing, and I'm looking forward to seeing that 
fourth installment, probably by the time this podcast is released, it will be out. And I'll put the links to it all in the show notes underneath. So anyone who wants to read further on these amazing articles that these ladies are doing, I will um, put the links there for you to follow up. Thank you. That's very generous. Thank you very much for having us, Elena. It's been a pleasure to be on your show and we're so grateful that you've helped spread the word for this message. It's such an important message. It's one that I was wanting to jump on board with and help spread. No problem. Thank Thank you, you, ladies. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others.